you will, take your Bibles. I'm asking you to turn to two passages of Scripture in your Bible. You may want to take a little um, piece of paper and mark one um, and turn to the other. It's going to be a minute before we get there. We're not going to read right now, but we will. I promise you, we'll get there. Okay? Y'all are with me. This means yes. This means no. Okay? And uh, uh, if you bow your head, I know that you've fallen off to sleep. I'm going to begin this way. I've got to begin this way. Aren't you glad 2020's gone? I mean, I put it on the, on the phone tree yesterday. I am glad that the right side of that number is not a zero anymore. Now it's a one. Y'all got what I'm telling you? preach this message, to share this message with you this morning, I want to begin with a couple of very personal, if you'll allow me. I want to express that outside of meeting Jesus as my personal Savior, marrying Deborah, having our kids, coming to the creek, coming to New Hope, is one of my greatest blessings of life. Every now and then I just sit down and I have to pinch myself at the blessings of God to be here among with you. Somebody asked me why I'm here, I tell them this, God called me here. I'm here because God put me here. And here's the caveat, I really don't want to mess up His call, His church, or His work. And I, when I say that, I'm reminded of a men's conference not too many years ago where Steve Ferrar was preaching to about 700, 800 men. And he said, Men, I want to tell you my life's mission statement. My life's mission statement. We thought we were going to hear something really profound. His life's mission statement was, Don't screw up. That didn't sound funny to you. We laughed like we barely laughed. And we thought that was good. It works for me whether it does for you or not. So I'm thankful for being here. The second personal uh, observation I want to give to you is that of all the messages that I've preached for you, the times that I've been with you, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, I don't guess I've been here Sunday night yet, have I? This has been the most difficult message to prepare. Every message that I preach, particularly here, has a weightiness to it that I just can't explain. It's a spiritual weightiness. I, I just feel the weight pressing down. And I'm gonna and I know why. And I'm gonna uncumber myself and give you the weight. It's because of a mess of Scripture that I mentioned in one of the messages. Here it is. Are you ready? To whom much is given, much is required. It doesn't say much is suggested, or much is requested, or much is wanted, or much is desired. What it says is that to whom much is given, much is required. With that in mind, 
I'll just tell you about this message. I prayed. I studied. I read. I wrote. Then, I prayed. I studied. I read and I rewrote. Then, I prayed, read, studied, and rewrote another time. And then last week, as you know, most of you know, we left this service and we went to Alabama to see our kids. All the way up there, all the way back, I'm meditating on this, on this message. Because to whom much is given, much is in fact required. Because God is calling us to do something special during these days. The truth is, God's calling His church to do something special. Something special needs to be done in this country and around the world. When I look across the membership of New Hope Baptist Church and when I see the people on the creek, we have some good people. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, some of the best in the world. And while that's good, let me just say this to you. The good's not good enough. God is looking for godly people. Now, do we have godly people? I think we do. I think we have some people in this body who really want to make a difference. Who want to bring the light of Jesus, the light of His gospel, to this dark culture. Well, let's be honest. I mean, I know I'm new, and I know you don't really want to be honest yet, Jason, okay? But, but, I, but let's just be honest. Is that we're probably like most churches in America. Now, now, most churches in America have people who view church membership the way that I'm about to show you. I found this video and it's a funny video, so if you haven't turned your smile on yet, turn it on. I found this video, and I want you to see about this unique church. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys, right? Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. <laughs> you know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and we'll get you there. <laughs> I like a pony. Look in your backyard. Me Church, where it's all about you. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. 
But the truth, you know, the truth is, is that I played that because, you know, you are aware that some people's concept of being a church member is this thing of going to church, going to a building, and if we're honest, going once a week, sitting through a Sunday school lesson. Weren't you glad Sunday school's back? Sitting through a Sunday school lesson. Coming in and hearing a few prayers, singing a few songs, enduring a sermon, going out and living the way we did before we came in and calling that church. You do know that there are some people that that's the way they define their church and their church membership. And if you just want to know the truth, brothers and sisters, that's why your pastor feels such a weight. It's because of that mindset. As much love in my heart as I can gather and as nice as I can, let me just say this to you. Jesus did not leave heaven, come to earth, and die a death on the cross just so we could sit in a comfortable building on padded pews with our friends and loved ones, sing a few songs, offer a few prayers, endure a sermon. Jesus came to bring life from death, light from darkness, and heaven from hell. And the truth is, I heard this this week, this is for free. You can get to heaven from earth. You can get to heaven from the creek. But you can't get to heaven from hell. Once you're there, it's done. You see, Jesus came to earth to bring His life, to do a work in people's lives, in your life. And in my life, He came to give us forgiveness. He came to give us hope. He came to give us help. He came to change us. And oh, by the way, brothers and sisters, when Jesus changes us, He gives us a job description. Just as surely as your employer gives you a job description. He gives us a job description. He gives us a task to do. He gives us a mission to fulfill. He gives us a mandate to carry out. And that's true of the church. I've called this the state of the church. You can move forward there, uh, Evan. I call this the state of the church. And and the deal is is that we need to understand that we are you listening? We are Jesus's hands and Jesus's feet in this community. Whether I call it the creek, the county, the region, we are Jesus's hands and feet. Here, He has given us the job to help, to touch, to reach, to feed the the hungry, to touch the poor, to help people, to do what we can in His name. As I was meditating on this message, actually last Sunday on the way up, I got to thinking about it in comparison to last year. And then going back about 70 years. Almost a month ago, 70 years ago, Pearl Harbor was attacked. That was a Sunday morning. On Monday, President Roosevelt stood before the Congress, and here is the original audio of his words. Evan? Vice President, Mr. Speaker, Members of the Senate, of the House of Representatives, 
Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. A date that will live in infamy. What I'm here to tell you today is 2020 is a year that will live in infamy. It's a year like no one here has ever lived through. No one has ever experienced. I don't care if you're the oldest member here. It's a year like we have never seen in this country. As a part of that year, we have gone through times of being devastated. We've prematurely lost loved ones. And we didn't understand it. In fact, I was telling Sherman this morning, just before we went on radio... I mean, on the telephone, I said, uh, I found out yesterday that one of my good friends in Greene County, healthy guy, Brent, spent six weeks in ICU and passed away the day before yesterday. We have been, we have lived through the worst of the worst, and it has tried our patience, it's tried our emotions, it's, a try, it's tried our sanity, and yes, it's even tried our faith. We're back together today, and it's good to see so many of you here. God bless you for coming. Preachers are told today that 40% of folks who were engaged in their faith before COVID, 40% plus will not ever re-engage their faith. I want you just to, I want to bring this where we are. I want you to consider New Hope, the creek. And I'm going to tell you, admittedly, I've not sat down with a focus group to learn all the good and the bad of, the, of history of days past. But when, uh, brother, when Brother Pud and, uh, and the committee began to deal with me as pastor, I did a lot of research on New Hope. Yes, I'd been here 45 years ago, but I wanted to know what was going on. And after I reviewed everything that I could get my hands on, you can I just tell you what my conclusion is? Are you listening? My conclusion is, is that this church body, this congregation, has the capacity, the potential, and the possibility of being the greatest spiritual influence in this county, if not the association. I don't know if that shocks you, but you know why? Let me explain it. Let me just take a minute. We are going to get to the Scripture. Don't anybody panic. Let me just tell you why. One word. History. History. As I studied and prayed about becoming your pastor, and I studied the statistics that you had turned in, I discovered some things that weren't good particularly, but I studied some things that I believe put us in a pretty good place. Over the past, let me tell you what you may not know. Over the past 10 years, this church has baptized one person every five or six weeks. Some of you will say, well, that's pretty good. Well, may I just say this to you? There's a lot of lost folks out here. I've run into them. We added one person every, we baptized one person every five or six weeks, and then we added one person every seven or eight weeks by letter, statement, or something like that. About 150 people in, in 10 years. 
I just have to tell you that, that I believe that God wants us to do better with that. But can I tell you the wonderful thing for me? And 14 months ago, I wouldn't have said this is wonderful. Is that when I look at us 10 years, do you realize that pre-COVID, that every, almost every church, if you looked at their attendance level, it was like this. And it run anywhere from like that to where we close in 4,000 churches a year. People just not reaching, folks. Do you know how New Hope's looked? Steady Eddie. Very consistent for 10 years. You know what? I believe that's right where Jesus wants us to be. I think that lays a great and for where we need to go. If. I want to say it three times. If. If. It's a big if. If we as God's people, if we're willing to take a fresh look at Jesus hanging on the cross, paying the price for our sins, if we're willing to hear His voice when He says, Follow me. If we're willing to take the step forward and to do His ministry, respond to His call. Here's what I predict. I believe that our future will be so exciting that we won't be able to contain ourselves. I believe that we will begin to see people come to Christ, be disciples for Christ, that we will become that spiritual influence here that is so desperately needed. Now, how do we do it? You didn't think I'd ever get there if you got your Bibles open. We're going to start Jeremiah chapter 4. Would you stand to honor the reading of God's Word? If you can, if you will. Only two verses. We're going to read Jeremiah 4, verse 3, and then we'll move to Hosea. Jeremiah 4, verse 3 reads like this. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. Now, I'm going to stop there. To the men of Judah and Jerusalem. Now, would you cast your eyes on the screen where that Scripture is? And with a touch of a space bar, I want to make it very personal. For thus says the Lord to the people at New Hope Baptist Church on the creek. Can't get any more personal than that. And here's the message. Break up your fallow ground and sow not among Thorns. Now, if you will, flip over. If you've got that Hosea passage, chapter 10, verse 12, it is on the screen. This prophet says, so, remember he said, so not among the thorns. And here he says, so for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord that He may come and rain righteousness upon you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for the moments that remain. I pray that You'll make this Scripture come alive in our hearts and in the heart of this church. Lord, I pray that You'll do a work in us. If someone doesn't have a relationship with You, may today be the day that they give their lives to you and invite you into their lives. If there are those of us who have been trying 
just to get by spiritually. I pray that today will be that day that we'll nail down a peg and we totally sell out to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Excuse me. Why did I choose this passage? Why did I feel led to come to this passage? And why is it such a message for us? It is because it talks our term, it talks terms in terms that we understand. It's talking farming. Jesus frequently taught farming. I'm not you don't raise your hands for goodness sakes. Do we have anybody in here that's ever farmed a day in their life? I think that's a rhetorical question. We know about farming. So I want to take from the scripture, I want to give you four terms that if we're going to be a church post-COVID, if we're going to be a church for the future, if, if we're going to hear the message for, for the church for 2021, here's the way we begin. This may not be all of it, but this is the way we begin. The first word that I find in these scripture is the word plow. Everybody know what a plow is? He said, both prophets say, break up the fallow ground. Now, admittedly, Fallow is not one of those words we use regularly, but certainly we know what it is to plow up ground or break up ground. We know what we have to do. If we're going to get good results in the garden, in the field, we have to break up the ground. If you don't know what the fallow is, that's ground that's unused. In fact, if I take it to history and culture from the Old Testament, Leviticus the children of Israel are told that when you work the ground, work it for six years and then allow it to lie fallow, unworked, unused for one year. And that lets it replenish, lets it get healthy again so that it can be fruitful the next year. Now, brothers and sisters, I really don't care to insult anybody's intelligence, but I should be able to stop right there because there are so many parallels that we can draw from that right there. I, and, and I'm going to just take a second and, do, and, and bring to you what you know. In the secular world, we know that things have a shelf life. I mean, McDonald's no longer uses you deserve a break today. It had its shelf life. Did you know inside the church, ministries have a shelf life? I can give you one highly public example. Most of you love the movies that Sherwood Church in Albany does. They made four movies, Flywheel, Face of the Giants, Fireproof, and Courageous. And when they got the fourth one made, and it was a big deal, the truth is, is that Stephen and Alex said, I think it's time for us to move on, let the church move on. And the church said, you're right. And so it was not a bitter breakup. The church had a full dedication service to send them out in their new ministry. And the church was able to move on in some other ministries because it had its shelf life. You see, the truth is, we need to be about breaking up the fallow ground of ministry in our area. We have resources that we can't even imagine. You know, even Jesus, when He was headed to the cross, He really did not get tunnel vision and stop. He knew where He was going. He knew what His goal was. But He still looked 
to the fields because they were ripe for harvest. And he kept breaking up the fallow ground. Folks, we need to break up the fallow ground. That is, we need to work the gospel field where we either have not worked it in a long time or where we have never worked it because our call is to share the gospel of Jesus. And some of you are saying, well, Brother Jerry, I bet you've got some ideas for us. Yes, but I want to say this to you. It shouldn't all come out of my head and heart. And also, if we're going to do this thing together for the Lord, we have to be looking through the same lenses. We have to look through the lens that God is looking through. We're on this creek, and there are many people that have no relationship with God through Jesus. We have many people that have no church family. I mean, can you imagine losing someone to COVID and not having a church family? You see, the people that God has put us here to make a difference in their lives, they're like the sheep, the coin, and the sons in Luke 15. They are lost. There may be somebody here today. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You see, Jesus left heaven and came to earth because you and I are sinners. And He lived a perfect life. And He died the death of a sinner for you and for me. He rose from the grave. He's back in heaven. And it's when we receive Him that our lives are changed. We find forgiveness. We find new life. We find everything we need in Jesus. But church, listen, God has given us the mandate to share His gospel, to share His love, to share His light. How do we do that? I've already said we have resources. Now, I'm going to just name some things. Pique your interest a little here. But there may be people sitting in the pew right here. You go, well, I've been thinking about that. Well, you know, that may be God's nudge for you to do it. I know that Brent has talked to me about it. Ben and I just had a conversation about it. We have this great sports building back here. Now, you can do activities without a gospel hook, but everything we do needs to have a gospel hook. Let's use the building again. We may not be able to use it like we did three years ago or a year ago, but we can find ways to use the building. We Nice, and I'm talking about our buildings right now. My son walked through here and he goes, Dad, do you realize what ministry opportunities all this wonderful building affords you? We got this nice fellowship hall out here. I'm going to call her name because she's not bashful. Lauren and I have already had a couple of conversations about this. We have people on the creek who are hungry and poor. Now, we may not be able to feed them every day, but I declare to you with the resources God has given us of both people and money that we could have a soup kitchen one day a week. We just have to see it through God's lens. And when people come, we don't beat them over the head with a 47-pound Schofield Bible and tell them to turn and burn. What we do is we sit down with them and, and just love on them and let them know that they, are, that they are our people, that we were like them. And the reason we do this is because Jesus loved us and we're going to love you. Man, the, the, it's just unending. I mean, we, we can go on and go on and we can go on and... And, and see all the ways. Mike Patrick. I had a report today. Mike may be having a little problem. I don't see him today. 
and I'll check on him. But Mike and I have been talking about since I killed my deer. Welcome to the uh, and Ryan. Have never mind, Ryan. I won't. I won't embarrass you. Okay. But here's what I want to say. Come March or April, we want to have a wild game feast and invite people from all over this place and have a way just to share the gospel with them. That we can meet people, that we can know people, we can tell people. May, may I just say this to you? I'm about to say something that may rattle some of our chain. I got convicted of this at Sherwood when I walked in the first time in 2011 in their big foyer. sign there that says, Whoever wants the next generation the most will get it. I want to say that again. Whoever wants the next generation the most will get it. Whether you like it or not, or believe it or not, the world is vying for our young people. Are we going after them with the same heart that they are? That might mean we might have to make some changes. That may mean we have to do some things differently. They may mean, listen, folks, my age and older, all us senior folks with white hair, it may mean we do something like we've never done before. But the target is people. Young people. Old people. Medium people. Well, that's a size. That's not an age, is it? Here's what I'm telling you. God has given us this mission. Then you get to where we are most of us, no offense, most of us, we only know a church as a program church. A Christian life is a program Christian life. You, you get into church and you do this program, you do this program, this program, and this program. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be the music ministry, Sunday school, discipleship training that never really trained disciples, and, or it can be something else. But we just know about programs. Programs. I know that COVID... Is a horrific disease. I know that it has devastated every one of us in some way. And I know it's not over. But may I flip the coin just a second for you? Do you know what COVID has done for the church? COVID has done for the average church what no preacher would have dared to do. It broke down traditions that we thought we couldn't live without. That'd been a good place for an amen, Brent. We just thought we couldn't live without them, and we found out, well, you know. You see, now we can become the, the real church. Tom Rainer wrote a book called The Post-COVID Church. This is, what he, this is one of his statements. From my perspective... The church is entering the most amazing and exciting days it has seen in decades, not maybe even for centuries. The post-COVID, the post-quarantine era may prove to be a time of an extraordinary experimentation and innovation because we now have the ability, permission to experiment and innovate. I want to say to you to innovate so we can figure out how to share the great commandment with the world. Those that don't know the great commandment, and you don't remember that sermon about six weeks ago, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love one another. Love your enemies. Oops, I'm sorry. Share the great commission. Share the great commandment and then share the great commission. 
that Jesus in lives makes us different. We need to break up the fallow ground, brothers and sisters. I can sense the excitement rising right now. I'm a Star Trek fan. And I just want to tell you, God is calling us in 2021 to boldly go where no one has gone before. We need to plow. We need to break up the fallow ground. Second thing I see in this scripture, don't panic, we're okay. Second thing I see in this scripture is that we need to plant. Farming, you plow, you plant. Jeremiah said, sow not among the thorns. Hosea said, sow for yourselves righteousness. So we're told what where not to plant, and we're told what to plant. We, farmers, I don't, need to, I don't need to school you on this. You know that if you're going to plant anything, a garden or a field, you better clean the ground, you better work the land, you better get it ready so that, so that soil is soft and pliable and the, and the uh, seed can blossom. We need to not sow where the thorns have grown over the previous year. What all does that mean spiritually? Well, again, the list could be enormous. I mean, when we when we when ground lies fallow for a year, thorns, bushes, other things grow over it. It must be dealt with. As God's church. Please listen. Whether you believe it or not, we are in the most significant and serious and life-changing work on earth. What we do, no matter what we think, doesn't matter what we think, how we think we are done, we've done, it doesn't matter. How we measure up to the church down the road means not a hill of beans. What we're called to do is that one day we're going to stand before Him as a church, as individuals. And He's going to rate us based on His job description that He's given to us. Just like if you go in for a performance review at job. They pull out your job description. They don't pull out somebody else's. You see, He's put us here to do what we, what no one else can do. Jesus planted seed everywhere He went. He told stories. The state of our church, that's not our church, this is His church, it's not ours. The state of this body is that we need to discover new and effective ways to plant the seed of the gospel around these areas in the hearts, listen, of your family, of your friends, and of your neighbors. We don't need to plant it among thorns. We need to prepare the soil. We need to make it ready. Too many churches, are you listening to me? Too many churches are trying to harvest fields that have never been planted. There's been no seed planted. He says, Sow not among thorns, but sow for yourselves righteousness. We need to sow for ourselves some righteousness. Now, what does that mean? How we live 
around people outside of this body is everything. I want to say that again. How we live around people outside of this body is everything. It's how we prepare the fields. It's how we break the ground. It's how we work the soil. For you see, if we don't show them Jesus with our lives, they'll have no reason. They'll have no desire to know Jesus or have Jesus in theirs. I talked again with my son. We're about to leave. And he and I were talking about this and church members and people not believing in Christ, people walking away from Christ. And he said, Daddy, Brennan Manning made this statement. And he just shot it off. And I said, would you text that to me? He did. Brennan Manning said, the single cause, the greatest single cause of atheism in today's world is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny Him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Folks, we need to sow for ourselves righteousness through our lives so everyone can see. The third word, we plow, we plant, we pick. We pick. The Bible says break it up, sow it out, and pick it, reap it. If we follow our Lord, if we go the way we've never gone before, if we break up the fallow ground, if we sow not among thorns, if we sow righteousness, then we're going to reap. It tells us right here. Verse 12 says, reap steadfast love. Reap steadfast love. Paul tells us the same thing. He says, "When you'll reap if you faint not. You don't give up. Everybody in here loves harvest. If you don't like going picking it, you sure like eating it. We love the fruit. Fruit is sweet. There is nothing sweeter. Please listen, brothers and sisters, than steadfast love of God. You get the steadfast love of God, and then you know what? Watch that last verse, that He then may come and reign righteousness upon you. You know what that is? We give and we give and we give to Him, and He gives and He gives and He gives to us. Okay, it is money, but it's a lot more than money. It's your life. It's your talent. It's your time. It's your energy. It's everything you are. And I just want to say this to you. You already know it. I'm just going to remind you of it. You can't outgive God. Just try it. In fact, he said, Malachi, just see. Try it and see. If we tried to give our community our spiritual heart, People would be saved and lives would be changed. Now, I'm going to pause there before I finish the message to say this. If we decide to break up the fallow ground and do things we've never done, plant seeds where we've never planted them, and the harvest comes in as we pick it, you know what you may see? Please listen. Many of you spend a life on the creek. You have friends that used to go to youth group with you that, that have no relationship with Christ anymore. What would it be like if we sell out this way? And all of a sudden we see some of our friends from, from elementary school kind of 
work their way back in and recommit themselves to the Lord? What would it be like if we see former church members that begin to work their way back in and come back and recommit to the Lord? We see new people accept Christ and come in. Isn't that what we're here for? Thank you, Brent. Can I say that again? Isn't that what we're here for? So you see the farming analogy. Plow, plant, pick. But there's one more word. You may or may not use it in your farming, but I'm going to give it to you as protect. When you plant a field, you protect your crops. If you've got a garden, you go out and you hoe it. If you've got a field, I'm not sure what all it's called, but you go out there and you make sure that the, that the enemy doesn't overtake it. You protect it. If we move forward, even a portion of this church moves forward, there'll be some naysayers. But you know how we, you know how we protect ourselves? It's right here in this verse. Look in verse 12. It says, It is time to seek the Lord. Time to seek the Lord. You want to protect yourself? Seek the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, let's just be honest among friends as I end. What are you really seeking today? Some of us were seeking to get to that next ball game. I've said it before, nothing wrong with ball. It makes a wonderful hobby, a horrible God. We can't wait to get that next buck. If you're a golfer, you can't wait to get that next hole in one. You can't wait to get that next buck that you earn, dollars. You see, we're all seeking something. The prophet says, break up the fallow ground, sow not among the thorns, sow for yourself righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up the fallow ground. For it's time to seek the Lord, and then He'll rain righteousness on you. I don't know about you, but I I love the thought of Him raining righteousness on me. Perhaps you've never invited Christ into your life, and so all the things that I've said today have just passed over your head. Why not? Why not make a change right now? Here's the thing. You and I know that you're a sinner because all of us are. And you know that God hates sin and condemns sin. And you know that Jesus came to forgive you of your sin. And that when you put your trust in Him, He'll become your companion for life. I'm not just talking about going to church. I'm talking about He'll become your companion for life. you've never done that, in just a moment, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. And when we sing, I'll be down front. I'll put my mask on. You can work your way to whatever aisle is closest to you, and I'll be glad to talk with you. If you just want to pray, I'll pray. If you want to unite with this church, I'll be here. We'll be talking about it. But whatever God's speaking to you today, for all His love and all His righteousness, don't put it off. Don't delay. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us to respond to you, to your word. 
If there's someone here that doesn't know you in a personal way, may today be the time that they give their lives to you. If someone has fallen away, I pray that today that you will draw them back to yourself. But Lord, I pray that you give us individually and collectively a vision of what you would like to do at this family we call New Hope. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing I Surrender All. If you would like to make a decision, I'll be here. You can make a way to whatever else closest to you. People will let you out. Let's stand, let's sing, and you come right now.